out the back. Come on, wake up, church. And then also, nursery's right through here and to the right if you need that. You see them back there waving at you guys. Um, but as always, your children are welcome right here in the sanctuary of Grace Baptist Church. Take your Bible and turn with me to Daniel chapter number 6. We're going to be continuing kind of this self-aware sermon series that I've called it and, uh, um, and looking through the book of Daniel. Now, maybe this morning or maybe this week or maybe recently, you've had a major decision. You had to make a decision about a relationship or maybe a vocational decision. It was just the 4th of July. Maybe you had to make a recreational decision, right? Uh, maybe a marital decision or a parenting decision, right? You've been in the middle of making a decision. I guarantee that applies to 99% of you because if you're an adult, You've been making decisions. It seems like that you're constantly in that decision-making mode uh, in life. Our life, we know, is the net effects of all the choices that we made. We are who we are, where we are, what we are today because of decisions that we made in the past. How we make decisions, why we make decisions, and what decisions we make really do matter. Some decisions are small and insignificant. Other ones are big macro decisions that have a great impact on our life. Look at this next slide. So let me ask you this morning, how do you make decisions? Do you have a process? Is there a way that you think about things, right? Do you just shoot from the hip, so to speak, and, and whatever happens, happens? But it seems like in life, if you're an adult, that decisions come at you at this NASCAR fast pace, right? Uh, you have to make decisions, big decisions, very often. Now, I've discovered that we're talking about self-aware, that typically people that make pretty good decisions seem to be fairly self-aware, and people that you see making really poor decisions don't seem to be so self-aware. We want to be self-aware, to know who we really are in Christ, to know what on earth are we doing here on earth? Why does God have us here, you cannot really know who you are without first knowing him, the one who created you, the one who designed you, the one that made you. Now, again, each week, we don't just know ourselves so we can know ourselves. That's not a point of everything, some psycho babble Oprah Winfrey moment. That's not what we're talking about. I just need to know me. I don't, that's not really the point, but it is a benefit of knowing yourself, like other benefits of salvation and security and, and, and freedom in Christ and, and uh, being able to forgive others. Knowing who you are in Christ is a benefit of knowing Christ. Now, in the recent uh, other two weeks, we've talked about Nebuchadnezzar, right? We talked about Belshazzar. Look at this next slide. And this week, we're going to talk about King Darius. At least that's an easier name to say. Amen. And so King Darius, Darius was the, the king of the Persians, so to speak. And there's another guy in the Bible that we're going to be talking about this morning. Matter of fact, this book is named after him, Daniel. Now, Daniel is probably one of the most self-aware people that you're going to find in all of Scripture. When you look at his life, he lived a life of humility. You look at his life, integrity, honesty, right? He kept the faith in a very pagan culture. He was God's man no matter where he was located. Have you ever known people that weren't like that? Right, they're God's man on Sunday morning, but they're not God's man on Friday night. Daniel, it didn't matter which day of the week it was or where he was, he was God's man. He lived really generation after generation goes by, and there's Daniel, a man of godly integrity. Now, you remember the story. We talked about it. What, what happened was 
the Babylonians had come in and invaded Jerusalem. And when the Babylonians come in, they take the best of everything you have. They take your lowercase g gods. They take all of your, you know, whatever's valuable. And they also take the best people, the youngest, smartest, brightest people. And they bring them in and they make them Babylonian, right? And they educate them in Babylonian culture and they put them to work and they use them. So that happened to Daniel and his Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? You've heard of these guys. But think about this for a moment. Babylon was this wheels-off, crazy, perverted culture, right? There are no believers there when Daniel gets there. Yet Daniel stood for God in a time when almost nobody was. Now, King Darius, he was the alpha male. He was the leader, the man, number one in charge over all the Persians. If you remember last week, uh, Obel Shazar, the Persians were the ones that took him out. Darius is the one that took him out. Now he's over, he has control over all of Babylon, right? He's in charge. And so when King Darius shows up, he looks around and he realizes there's this Daniel guy here that's, that's been amazing and he's incredible. He's a great guy. He's spoken to the life of so many people. He's faithful. He's honest. He's hardworking. Matter of fact, look in your Bible at Daniel chapter 6 and verse number 3. It says, then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. Daniel was an honest, good, godly, hard-working man. And we need more of that today. Look at the rest of verse 3. Go on down. It says, and the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. The king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. Now, again, it's a new kingdom. It's a new kingdom. It's a new day. Right? And so uh, as King Darius has come in and taken over Babylon, he wants somebody to run Babylon for him. He has the rest of the empire to take over. And so as he's looking around, he's very wise in this. He's like, who can I give control to? Who can I make my number one guy over all of Babylon? I think this Daniel guy would be perfect, honest, hardworking, good man. He's always served faithfully. There's this Daniel. I'm going to give it to Daniel. Now, here's what's important. Remember, Daniel's a not a Persian. Daniel is a Jew. Daniel's Jewish. Yet Darius tapped him on the shoulder and is saying, look, I want you to be my number one guy. Probably the best decision that Darius had ever made. Now here's what's fascinating because in the Bible, in scripture, God always gives us examples of what we should do and examples of what we shouldn't do. And we have this with these two people, Daniel and Darius. Matter of fact, write this down. Take some notes. We're going to kind of track along uh, through these verses this morning. Daniel shows us what to do, but Darius shows us what we shouldn't do. Okay, Daniel's our example, but so is Darius. Darius is our example of who we don't want to be. You can learn a lot from Daniel, but you can learn a lot from Darius and how not to be because he's Phi Beta Kappa dumb, okay? Phi Beta Kappa at being dumb, uh, and Darius did a dumb thing. Now, what happened was Darius went on ancient social media. He went on Babylon Facebook. And he went on Babylon Twitter, and he starts talking about how he's going to make Daniel his number one guy. Have you seen Daniel? Daniel's awesome. Daniel's cool. Here's the guy. Let's take a selfie together. This is my man. He's going to be running things up in here, okay? And so he's going to be in charge, and he's just telling everybody. Now, let me, we talked about this in week one. How often are we self-unaware and we talk too much? And we end up telling everybody everything. You don't always have to tell everybody everything. Matter of fact, it would be wise for you not to tell everybody everything. 
You need to lean into the Daniels, lean into the right people, but everybody's not the right people. If you tell anyone and everyone everything, inevitably you're going to end up with the wrong information, the wrong feedback. And that's what happened to Darius. Look at this next slide. When you talk too much to the wrong people, you're going to get the wrong information. When you talk too much to the wrong people, you're going to get the wrong information. Because there's something about Christianity you need to understand. Write this down. Christianity, Christians are a remnant. A remnant. A remnant. Uh, Seldom in any given room are the people that are completely sold out for Christ the majority. Very often, they're the minority. And as a believer, you're going to have to recognize that real Christians are a small collection of people, a remnant, and you're never going to please the masses. The Bible kind of shows us from cover to cover that usually the majority is wrong. Usually, if there's a vote taken in the Bible, they usually come down on the wrong side of things. The majority is just usually wrong in Scripture, and it's usually the remnant that is true and faithful to God. There are just a few people in this pagan culture who really live for God. At your company, on your job site, in your business, there's going to be only a few people who really stand for God. Uh, There's going to be just a few people in your neighborhood who really stand for God. And, And sad enough to say, in the average American church, there's only going to be a few people who are really going to stand for God. There's always just a few in Scripture. And so we have here... Darius, making this decision based off the majority, but as a people group, as Christians, we understand that Christianity is about the remnant. And you can trace it all the way back, the Old Testament to the New Testament. If you're you're going to stand firm in the faith, you're not going to be the most popular. You're not going to get the most votes necessarily, and you're not going to be the most liked. You're not going to be the one that the world claps for. And Daniel wasn't. Yeah, because of Daniel's self-awareness and because of his integrity and because of his honesty, he was able to speak into the life of kings, man, generation after generation after generation. Now, what happened in our story? What happened is uh, Darius is like, Daniel's going to be the man. This is my guy. Everybody sees how awesome Daniel is. Now, Daniel here, he is older. I started to say old. Uh, He's in his 80s, maybe early 90s. That's his that's his age range. He's, he, he's older at this point. And the people, some of the people are basically like, why would King Darius pick a non-Persian? Why would he pick this Jew to run things, right? See, Darius had what I've called a Babylonian board of directors, a Babylonian board of directors. Now, Daniel was one part of that, but he was only one part of that. And they didn't like what they saw uh, happening with Daniel. These people were absolutely jolted with jealousy. They see Daniel climbing up the ladder of success. Daniel's going to be the number one guy, and all of them, they want to be the number one guy, and they can't stand it. So they become critical, negative, jealous. We talked about this in a previous week, but you can almost always trace jealousy back to pride, back to a lack of self-awareness, who you are in Christ. Now, I've discovered something about jealousy over my years on this earth. Let me tell you what I've discovered about me in my life. This is me, okay? This is Marcus. I'm not jealous of the heart doctor, right, uh, that, that did Steve's surgery that time over at UT Medical Center a few years ago. The skill, the precision. I, I might be envious. I'm like, man, that guy has it together, right? He just did this 12-hour surgery, come out looking fresh as a daisy. I'm, all I did was sit in the waiting room. I'm dying. How's this guy do it? But I'm not jealous of that surgeon. I'm, I'm not jealous 
of somebody uh, uh, that flies. In. I'm not jealous of an astronaut. Maybe a little envious, like that's really cool, but I'm not jealous. Does that make sense? I'm not jealous of a really good car mechanic because I'm not that either. Right? Somebody that really knows how to work on cars. I'm not jealous of that. Let me tell you what it can get me jealous. A really good preacher. Really good preacher. Right? You let me hear or see a really good preacher, and I might get, Alicia gets jealous. Amen? That could be my husband, but no. Right? Write this down. I want you to understand this. We tend to get jealous of people who do what we do or what we want to do. We tend to get jealous of people, really jealous of people, uh, who do what we do or what we want to do. And we see it advertised right here in this Babylonian board of directors. They don't like that Daniel's the one getting the promotion. They want the promotion. That Daniel's going to have the opportunity. They want the opportunity. That Daniel's getting a raise. They deserve that raise. They didn't like it. Now, jealousy is something that everybody deals with. Those engines of envy will get to going in your heart and in your life. What do you do? You need to take it to God and just be honest and admit when you're having a moment of jealousy. God, I'm feeling jealous. And you know what God might do? He might just lead you to pray for the person or the situation that you're jealous about. Why is that? The Bible says this in Romans 12, 15. He says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Now, that can be difficult sometimes. But if you're surrendered to God, right, you can be self-aware enough to know that this is what you need to do. And some of you, in some area of your life, you might be struggling in this area of jealousy. Think about social media for a minute. One of the evil sides of social media is envy and jealousy. It wouldn't even exist apart from envy and jealousy. And the problem is, I've heard many preachers say this, the problem is is that what you see on social media is somebody else's highlight reel. And it's not even real, man. I mean, it's, it's not really real. People often show the best parts of their lives, and you go on social media and you see it while you're living through the worst part of yours. And it can cause this emotional reaction. It can cause jealousy. And so that's what happened here. Old King Darius shouted out on social media how great Daniel is. They find out. They, they gather together this group of this board of directors, and they go to King Darius, and they try to trip up Daniel by playing up the pride and ego of Darius. And, and when you read this, it's like, Darius, can't you see through this? Don't you see this coming? This group is coming to you. Hey, we've all talked about it. Well, where's Daniel? The guy, my right-hand man. My number one. Hey, King, we all talked. Everybody talked about it. We all voted. The entire board of directors, we've all voted. Well, where's Daniel? It's like he doesn't even notice that Daniel's not there. You're not even talking to this guy that has all this integrity, this humility that has never let you down or anybody else, so much so that you're going to make him number one. Write this down. When it comes time to make a decision, the wrong people are always going to be there to help you make the wrong decision. But thank God that if you're surrendered to Christ, the Daniels will be there in your life as well. There will be a Daniel as well. Whenever you make a micro or a macro decision, the wrong people will always show up. Matter of fact, usually the wrong people are the people that rush in to tell you what to do. God always brings Daniels into your life. You ever heard this expression, well, they don't want to do this. Well, you know what they're doing down there. You know what they do, they and they and they. You ever heard that expression? You want to make sure that you're listening to the right they. Write this down. I'm going to use the word they there. You can go ahead and fill in those blanks. T, they're teachable. If somebody's going to be a Daniel in your life, they can't be a know-it-all. If they already know it all, guess what? They don't. H, write this down. Write the next one down. They're honest and they're holy. 
And I don't mean this kind of, this mean kind of honesty that some people practice. You ever know, well, I'm just telling the truth. I'm, hey, I'm just telling what I was told. Hey, I'm just, hey, hey, listen, I got to tell it like, does this make me look fat? Yes. Well, I'm just being honest. There's such a thing as holy honesty. And holy honesty never seeks to hurt or to injure or use honesty as an excuse to hurt people or hurt their feelings. Does that make sense? And it's not lying to be, E, write this now, encouraging encouraging. You want somebody who's going to be honest with you, but has an encouraging spirit. When people have a critical negative spirit, when they gossip and run others down, these are not people that you need to take advice from. They're not. You need someone who's encouraging, who encourages, spurs you on to good works and not negative things, things that are bad for you and bad for your life. And why I write this down, you probably already did. They are yielded to God. If they're not yielded to God, what good is their advice anyway? Ultimately, they're yielded to God, they're yielded to your friendship, and they're yielded to life in the local church. Don't take spiritual advice from somebody who goes to church at Easter and Christmas only. Right? Because they haven't taken their own advice. But these satraps and administrators, they're just in... Remember we talked about it last week, an echo chamber? It's so easy to go to an echo chamber and you'd just be like, yeah, go Vols. And they're like, yeah, go Vols, right? And you don't go to the Alabama fan, right? Because they all live on the wrong side of town. And so you don't go to, you don't go to the Alabama fan at all. You go to that Vol, yeah, just go Big Orange, baby. That's right, right? And, and, and so an echo chamber. We, often we do that when we're looking for advice. We go to somebody that's going to tell us that we're right. And it's basically these people are going and telling Darius, man, you're awesome. And all the Darius is like, that's right. I am awesome, aren't I? Look at it in verse 6. Come on, Darius, it's sad. It says these governors and satraps thronged the majority. Daniel's all by himself on this board of directors. The majority come before the king and thus said to him, King Darius, live forever. Again, the majority is usually wrong. And as Christians, we're swimming upstream against the tides of culture. But Darius is like, I like this. Keep it coming. Come on, look at verse 7. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators and satraps, the counselors and advisors, have they? All of them? Was it really? Was it really? Hey, man, I just want you to know everybody is saying. Hey, everybody. Really? Where's Daniel? I guarantee they didn't consult Daniel on this. Counselors and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days, except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Their plan to is pride. They're like, Darius, you're so awesome. You can write a book called 30 Days of Me. Right? And so it'll just be 30 days of Darius. It's going to be awesome. Now, do you think these guys care about honoring King Darius at all? They don't care about that. They're just in it for themselves. They just want to feed Daniel to the lion's den. They're only concerned about themselves. They want to take Daniel out. They want Daniel to be lion's bait. But let me tell you what happens to negative, critical people. And I've seen this in life, and you see it in Scripture. These negative, critical people, they want to take someone, and they want to throw them under the bus. What usually happens is, eventually, those people get hit by the bus. We take people and we try to throw them under the bus and do damage. But when all is said and done, often we get hit by the very bus we tried to throw somebody else under. That's why we don't understand. We're being self-unaware. So you know what Daniel does? 
I mean, Darius, you know what Darius does? He makes an emotional decision. Darius, you're great. You're awesome. 30 days of Darius. It'll be great. We'll sell books. We'll do a movie. We'll make a YouTube video. It'll be awesome. 30 days of Darius. We'll have a morning devotional every day for 30 days. And we'll have a Darius prayer time and a Darius devotional. And we'll all, you know, we'll post a new Darius selfie every day for 30 days. It's going to be wonderful. And Darius makes an emotional pride decision and says, that's right, let's do that. Let's do that. Right? We, all, we know that most emotional decisions aren't good decisions when they're based on emotion. Emotions are good. They're not necessarily the best for decision making. So Darius says, that's right, 30 days of me, let's do it. So he presses the send button on a mass email to everybody in the kingdom. Right? They had this ancient technology. And the email goes out. But the thing is, once the email goes out, you can't take it back. Once it goes out, you can't delete it. Once you press send, you can't change it, right? It's sent, it's in writing. See, in this culture, when Darius makes a royal decree, it cannot be changed, it cannot be altered. Once it goes out, it's a done deal. Why? By the way, why? Have you ever thought about why that is? Well, because obviously Darius is a god, right? Do gods make mistakes? Certainly not. So if for Darius to... Try to even to change a decree would be admitting that he wasn't even a god that deserved to have his 30 days of worship. But that was in their culture. Once the king signed a decree, it could not be changed. So it can't be reversed. Have you ever done that? All right, don't raise your hand. I'll raise my hand. Have you ever, like, pressed send and you immediately regret it? Right? Why did I say that? Why did I word that text like that? Why did I post that like that? Why did I, why did I say that? I didn't really mean that. I was just upset because we hide behind screens these days. There's a lot of bad men, a lot of bad women behind uh, computer screens and cell phone screens, aren't there? Just read the comments. I, encourage, I advise you never to read the comments of anything. But if you do, right, you're liable to walk away fairly discouraged. A lot of bad, mean people out there. We hide behind these screens. It is so ironic that in 2019, we've got better communications and better ways of communicating than ever before in all of history. It's not even close. We've, we're so much better with communications, and we're so much worse with communicating. So much worse. It's amazing. Think about it. Why didn't Darius ask Daniel what he thought about this? Why don't you ask the Daniels in your life when you come times for you to make big decisions? It's really difficult because these men are playing up on his pride and his ego, and he's made a dumb decision. Write this down. The best decisions in life just aren't always the easiest, right? Usually, if it's a super easy decision, they're not big deals, but the best decisions are often difficult. What is it? Because if you please God, it doesn't matter who else you displease, but if you displease God, it doesn't matter who you please. And Daniel, he's going to live a life of pleasing one and one only, and that's God. So this Babylonian board of directors, they're setting Daniel up. They're setting up for a fall, right? Darius, if anybody worships anybody, anybody prays anybody, anybody does anything, but it's not 30 days of Darius, let him be thrown in the lion's den. They knew what Daniel would do. He was a man of courage, a man of integrity, a man of honor, a man of God. So he's going to go to God and pray. So then that group, the board of directors, they catch Daniel doing what they knew he was going to do. They catch him praying, so they run and tell, tattletales, right? Daniel's in trouble now. Look at verse 13. Here's what they say. They said, King, that Daniel, that Jew, Daniel, one of the captives of some Jews, you know, he's not Persian. 
He's not even half. Daniel, that Jew, does not show due regard for you, O king. Not only is this incredibly racist, but it's also a lie. Daniel had nothing but regard for the king. Does that make sense? Write this down. Haters will always lie, and they will always exaggerate. It's true. Now, I did this point just so you could write the word haters. They'll always lie, and they'll always exaggerate. Hey, man, everybody is saying this. Everybody. It's always, all the time, you never, right? Haters are always going to lie, and they're always going to exaggerate. You don't have to believe that. Don't re- again, don't read too much into social media. It'll put you on this roller coaster, up and downs, jealousy and envy, and say, it'll just mess you up. So they catch Daniel praying to God. So what does the king do? Well, he throws Daniel in the lion's den. What else could he do? He made the decree. He had to do it. Now, it killed Darius to do it. It tore him up. He knew he made a dumb decision. He realized that he'd been set up, but it's too late. He's got to throw Daniel in the lion's den. Let me ask you, are you, facing a, are you facing a Darius-type decision in your life? Some kind of big decision? Who are you listening to? Write this down. You need to listen to God and the Daniels that God places in our life. Godly wisdom, godly counsel. That's where self-awareness comes from. We have to have these Daniels in our life. Now, Daniels aren't going to blow up your phone. Daniels are going to be in the house of God serving they're going, to be, they're going to have integrity. They're going to be honest. They're going to have humility. They'll tell you the truth, man, in love because they love you. And so they take this Daniel, this faithful 88 to 92-year-old man, and they throw him in the lion's den. And the king is tore up. Look at verse 16. The last part of that says, But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. He's saying, I'm hoping that your God will save you from the lion's den because there's nothing I could do. My hands are tied. And so he didn't even sleep that night. He didn't get any entertainment. Look, go down to verse 18. He said he went to his palace and spent the night fasting and no musicians were brought before him. Also, his sleep went from him. He couldn't sleep. And so the first thing in the morning, the king gets up. He runs over there. And what does he see in the lion's pit? All right, right? The, the king couldn't sleep, but Daniel's down there taking a nap with lions. Daniel's fine. God uh, provided for Daniel. He's down there patting the lions, scratching the lions, scratching their bellies. He's already given them nicknames, you know, Leo, Aslan. He's got names for all of them. Look what the Bible says, Daniel 6, verse 22. He says, my God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Now, some people believe this is a pre-incarnate visitation of Christ here in the lion's den because, you know, that sometimes that happened in the Old Testament. But Daniel emerges. God took care of him. Daniel came out unscathed. But do you know who didn't? Can you guess who became lion bait? That's right, that Babylonian board of directors. The people that were trying to set Daniel up were trying to murder him. Let's don't, oh, just don't, let's don't glaze over that. They were trying to murder him. And the king feeds them to the lions. And guess what? There was no angel from God to protect them and watch out over them. These people who had falsely accused Daniel. And so we see this self-awareness and this courage in the life of Daniel. This integrity, this consistency, this devotion, this generational commitment to be faithful year after year after year. There was no off-season to Daniel's faith. He was constant. If you want to be self-aware, 
You want to be consistent in your courage in the faith. You want to make a difference for God in this life. You want to be a true follower of God. You want to be like Daniel. You're going to have to stay connected, stay strong, and stay committed, and stay faithful year after year. Like Daniel did with his God, our God, by the Holy Spirit. He was able to do things that that teenage boy in Jerusalem could have never dreamed of. He was able to influence literal events in history that shaped the world that we live in today. A teenage boy dragged from his home in Jerusalem who knew one thing, Jehovah was his God. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Uh, Lord, this absolutely amazing story that we've heard so many times. Daniel in the lion's den. Lord, we thank you for Daniel's faith, the example that he is for us. God, I just pray that your word will speak to us and speak to our hearts this morning. That we see his courage, but we see you. That we see his strength, but we see you. That we see his commitment, but we see the one who's worth everything, Lord, and that's you. Listen, every head bowed, every eye closed. For just a moment, those of you that know that you're saved. And our, our kind of application prayer this morning is really simple. It's really basic. It's, Lord, will you give me a Daniel-like faith? Will you help me to stay true in a pagan culture? Lord, will you help me to keep the faith in difficult circumstances? Lord, will you help me to be a man of prayer? God, will you help me to be a woman of prayer? God, will you help me to stay committed to you? Because I know that you're committed to me. Is that your prayer this morning? Is it your prayer this morning? God, give me a Daniel faith. Will you slip your hand up all over the sanctuary? Father God, we just come to you. And we know we fail so often and so much. But God, we don't want to. We need you. We need your strength, your Holy Spirit. Lord, we want to surrender our lives to you. Every day. Lord, help us to stay connected. Lord, help us to stay strong in your, the faith and in your word and to be absolutely surrendered to you and your will for our life. Lord, help us to be self-aware. God, help us to not be a stumbling block to lost people at home and at work and in the community. Lord, may our testimony always be true and pure and point to you and your excellence, your worthiness, and your mercy and grace. Listen, look up for just a second, guys. For some of you here this morning, you maybe you don't know that you know that you know. You don't know, you don't really know that you're saved, right? I mean, you, maybe you feel like maybe you made a decision and you don't have that assurance. Or, or maybe you've been listening to the wrong voices. What are the wrong voices? You know, the wrong voices are often very religious voices. Very religious. Maybe there's somebody in your family, somebody at work or in your business. Maybe they know more Bible than you do. And they got a verse to back up everything, and they know Scripture backwards and forwards. And maybe somehow they've convinced you that you got to be good enough to be saved. Right? You got to become Daniel before God will accept you and forgive you. You got to be good enough. You got to be perfect. Or maybe they'll convince you hey, man, have you been baptized? Hey, you're good. Don't worry about it. Are you a member of the right denomination, the right church, the right group? You're good to go. Or maybe there's somebody in your life, the wrong voice, that tells you, man, God's not even real. God's not real. That's just 
Some, how, how can you believe a book that was passed down generation after generation after generation? You can't believe the Bible. All of the wrong voices. But this morning, I thank God for the right voice. Look at this verse. John chapter 16. Verse number 8. Referring to, Jesus is speaking and he's referring to the Holy Spirit. And he says, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. Sin, righteousness, and judgment. And if you would be honest with yourself this morning, you would recognize that you sin, that you're less than perfect. We're all less than perfect. We've all, like, like, have you ever told a lie? Have you ever taken something that didn't belong to you? Well, I guarantee it. Right? Have you used God's name in an unworthy manner? I'm sure of it. The Bible says, Jesus said, if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you commit adultery with her in your heart. And just right here, like in 10 seconds, we're, if we're all being honest, lying, thieving, blaspheming, adulterators at heart, we're sinners. And the Holy Spirit will convict us. Let us know. You're a sinner. You know that you're a sinner. And you really think you're going to stand before God on the day of judgment? See, it says that the Holy Spirit's going to come and convict the word of sin and of righteousness. We're not righteous. We're not perfect. But the righteous one came, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, born of a virgin, he, lived that, he didn't have that sin nature. Lived that perfect, sinless life. Went to the cross, the death, burial, and resurrection. Died as a righteous, perfect, spotless sacrifice for your sins. Because you're not perfect, righteous, or spotless. You need Jesus. So the Holy Spirit's going to come, convict us about sin and righteousness and the judgment. The truth is, if you die a lying, thieving, blaspheming, adulterator at heart who's never received the righteousness of Christ, you're going to stand before God in judgment one day, and he is going to judge you, and he's going to judge you righteously. No deed will be unseen. No thought will be unthunk. Every word, every thought, every deed will be brought to light, and God will judge you righteously. And then he's going to, when he judges you righteously, you're going to spend an eternity separated from God in a place called hell because you're a sinner. You're unrighteous. And you did not receive his free offer, his free gift of righteousness through Christ. You need Jesus, man. You can't make it on your own. Lying, thieving, blaspheming, adulterating. That's just four. Why don't you trust him? Stop trusting yourself. Stop listening to the wrong voices and listen to the right voice, the Holy Spirit of God. Is he calling you? Let's pray one more time. Let's say every head bowed, every eye closed. No looking around. Be respectful of those around you this morning. Do you need Jesus this morning? Do you need to get saved? Have you truly surrendered your heart and your life to God? I mean, really? Do you have that assurance? I want to encourage you this morning. I want to pray with you. And I promise you, I, listen, I'm not going to single you out. I'm not going to drag you forward. Right? We will not embarrass you. We just won't do that here. I just want to pray with you. And if you're here right now, you're like, Marcus, man, I need Jesus. I need to nail that down. I need to get it right. I just want to pray with you. Would you slip your hand up real quick? Just wherever you're sitting. God bless you. I see you. God bless you. Who else? All right, put your hands down. Put your hands down. Why don't you pray a prayer like this? There's nothing special about this prayer. It's just you being sincere and honest with God. And just say, Father God, just talk to him. Say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I've sinned. I've I've lied. I've stolen. I've blasphemed. Lord, I'm a sinner. But God, I turn from my sin. 
and I'm turning to Jesus. Once and for all, save me, Jesus. All of me, I surrender to you. Just tell him. Lord, based on your death, burial, and resurrection for my salvation, I'm trusting you. Not me, not my good works. All of me for all of you. Save me, Jesus. Listen, you pray a prayer like that. God sends his Holy Spirit into your heart. You're going to have resurrection power in your life. And he has saved you if you were sincere and honest with God. Cried out to him. For, the Bible is clear. It says, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Did you call on him? I want to encourage you to make that decision public. 